Hey everybody, welcome to another drive-through board game blog. Today I'm going to cover my top 10 uh, most anticipated games from Essen. Now, Essen is like just over a month away at the time I record this, which really is a little bit too early to be doing such a list. I don't really know why, maybe it's just that kind of a timing thing, but usually I do it and everybody else does it kind of a couple of weeks beforehand or right before. But like with my Gen Con list, I had played a couple of the games already by the time I got around to making the list. And so I was like, well, this one was going to be on here anyway, but I moved it up because I played it and I really liked it or, you know, <laughs> so I realized that I'm going to be receiving, I know it sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm really not. I'm going to be receiving some games here soon that are on my anticipated list. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to play them when I get them. Uh, so it's going to be silly to do, oh, this is my most anticipated game that I already reviewed, you know? <laughs> So anyway, it's kind of a long drawn out apology for making this so early, but I guess it's okay to be early sometimes. So let's just jump in. I've got 10 games on here. I'm just going to jump right through. Uh, number 10 is Jorvik or Horvik, or I don't know how you pronounce it. This is a re-theming of Spikerstot, which is one of my top 100 games of all time. I don't remember where it is on the list. I think it's pretty high. I think it's probably the most underrated Stefan Feld game. Now that game doesn't really take it to the next level until you add the expansion, which from my understanding is going to be included in this game. Now the original theme was you were sort of sending sort of workers or buyers or whatever down to the dock to trade in goods and then try to also uh, put some resources towards preventing uh, warehouse fires. Uh, now this is a Viking theme, so it's going to work kind of in a different way where you're kind of you know dealing with goods and then I think uh, fighting off raids and uh, so I think this game is excellent. It's one of the least felled, felled games that I've played. Uh, so it's a very kind of cutthroat, uh, in your face, uh, sort of kind of an auction game. It plays excellent at five players. Probably my favorite player count is five players. I like it at all the player counts, three to five. Two player is a little bit better once you add all the expansion stuff in, but I kind of gloss over that. But it should be really cool. And I think I'm most excited to just let other people have a chance because you really cannot find the expansion anywhere. Uh, I think you can still kind of find the Spiker Stop base game around, but the expansion is really impossible to find, um, and at least in the United States. So I'm excited for people to try this because I think it was overlooked and underrated a little bit when it first came out, and then especially when the expansion came out in such limited supply. And if you take a look at some of the artwork and stuff, it's going to be you know kind of improved over that sort of dry yearly type of traditional looks. Um, so and I'm also excited to try it and look at any maybe card changes or just you know revisit the game again. So Jorvik is my number ten. Uh, my number nine is not going to be for sale at Gen Con. I believe that's the only one here not going to be for sale. Uh, but that is Sword and Sorcery from Ares Games. It is going to be demoed, at least according to Eric Martin's BGG list, which all these games are on, and that was kind of my criteria. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to this one. It's a sort of a fantasy-themed Galaxy Defenders, so that has me intrigued. Now the theme is kind of a di different kind of theme of sort of, you're kind of like immortals that have come back down to Earth and in a sort of a mortal form and kind of reset all of your powers and you're sort of questing back up and trying to uh, you know, defeat the evil in the world and stuff. So Galaxy Defenders is an excellent system and I think this is obviously gonna tweak it a little bit. 
but you know I'm I'm a big dungeon crawl fan and uh, you know so I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, kind of the reception there at Gen Con and then this I think is gonna be released somewhat soon after uh, so definitely uh, in the lookout for this one and it looks gorgeous like all the components and the art and everything look really good and Aries games always does a great job of kind of hitting that that right mark for board gamers of the miniatures and the art and everything so that's number nine uh, sword and sorcery Number eight is X Nymph. So this is a takeoff of Six Nymph. Now Six Nymph is kind of a guilty pleasure <laughs> of mine. It's something I like to break out uh, once in a while, and I kind of have a sort of a soft spot for those kind of games that they're just engaging enough that then they kind of keep you interested and they keep you guessing. There might be some push your luck types of elements, which Six Nymph has, but you can also sort of have a conversation outside of the game. Uh, you know, one game I think of like that is Exploding Kittens, or another game which probably the review won't be up by the time this is up, so I'll, I'll leave a spoiler there. It's uh, called Behind the Throne. Uh, that has a kind of interesting dynamic like that. It's very, very light filler. Uh, you can kind of talk trash while you're playing it very easily. You can talk about the weather or whatever else you want to talk about. Uh, but it's in interesting enough that it keeps you engaged in the game. So it's not just completely, you know, mindless. So this has an interesting twist though, back to the Six Nymph. And the reason I prevaricated a whole bunch is because a lot of people hate Six Nymph, I don't. <laughs> and it has like, you have your like, kind of your own sort of tableau that you're playing cards to. Uh, if you're not familiar with Six Nymphs, you kind of, everybody plays cards and you're trying to play like the right cards so you don't take a bunch of cards. And it has this sort of push your luck guessing kind of, kind of element. And some cards have different values. So it's very kind of, you know, dry and mathy a little bit. Not too much, but this has a kind of a cool twist on it that I'm very interested in trying to play. Uh, so that was number eight, X Nymph. Uh, oh my gosh, did I do this again? I think there must be a thing here because my number seven is the expansion to Seven Wonders Duel. I swear, every time I make a list, Seven Wonders something is number seven. It's I honestly I don't do that. I swear to God. All right, so Seven Wonders Duel Pantheon is the new expansion for that. Now Seven Wonders Duel. I liked it when it first came out. It was good, it was fun, great two-player game. Uh, this has kind of lived at my lunch group at work, and on those occasions where we just have two of us, which is somewhat rare, but it happens, and we have two of us and we wanna play a game, Seven Wonders Duel has been like the go-to this year. And so, having played it now with a couple of folks at work, you know, we've really kind of gotten into the strategy and stuff, you know, we've really revisited the game a whole bunch. And so the game has really grown in my estimation and in my friend's estimation. And uh, so it's been really, really fun. And so I think maybe, I, even though I said I liked it and everything at the beginning, I think I maybe overlooked it a little bit because it's really taken off. And so I'm excited to see anything that we can add to it and revisit it. And then we'll definitely get some plays, uh, you know, in my group uh, for sure. So I'm very excited about that. It adds some kind of, uh, I don't want to say theological, but some supernatural types of things, uh, religious types of aspects to the Civilization game, uh, which should be pretty interesting. Kind of a nice little twist on it. So anything that you can kind of add and spice into that game. I think I'm interested to see if there's more expansions coming after this because you know, I didn't really look at it as, oh, hey, there's a cool system here that you can really add modules to, you know, like the, uh, the original game of Seven Wonders can. Uh, so I'm curious to see if the, how well this works and you know how, how that well that whole plug and play aspect of it uh, shakes out. So that was number seven, Seven Wonders Duel. Uh, number six is The Networks. Uh, 
This is a very, very interesting game and two parts. The theme is really interesting because it's about running kind of your own TV network and sort of slotting and booking shows. And that's a theme that I've enjoyed uh, in the past a little bit with a couple of games like uh, Dream Factory was a game that actually I wasn't really fond of at first, but then I, I kind of got to like it a little bit more. Uh, but I like that kind of Hollywood aspect, uh, you know, the whole production side of running a television show or movie studio or that kind of thing. That's a really, really cool theme. And I think there's a lot of vastly unexplored space in that territory. And it seems very, very humorous uh, in its take, which was one of the sort of charms of Dream Factory. You had these kind of caricatures of different Hollywood actors and directors and things. Uh, so Networks looks very, very interesting. And the other thing is, I think I am like one of the few people that hasn't played this yet. Now, I know it's not uh, readily available for kind of distribution and release, but everybody that I seem to talk to is like, oh, you played the network? You haven't played that yet? What? You know? And it's like, no, I haven't. <laughs> like, okay, I'll play it. It must be really good. Because literally every single person I talk to is, hey, this game is great. It's really cool. The theme works really well. It's a very, you know, kind of nice medium level Euro game. So I'm like, okay, I'll play it. I'll play it. So I'm really excited to play it now. I'm kind of hyped from all the hype. So that is number six. Uh, number five is a very interesting game. Uh, this is called Adrenaline from Czech Game Editions. And this is sort of a take on a first person shooter as a board game. Now you've kind of had that idea uh, when you talk about games like Doom and you know a little bit of like Imperial Assault and uh, you know uh, Galaxy Defenders in some way. That's more of a tactical first-person shooter, so I don't want to call it. You kind of have the vibe of a first-person shooter a little bit with those games. But this one really, supposedly, you know, takes you into that sort of twitchy feel. And just the fact that, well, A, Czech Games is putting it out, so there's probably going to be at least solid, if nothing else, and well play-tested. Just the approach of that theme you know, okay, let's, let's do it. Let's go for that. You know, like you're going to try to, to, to make me feel like I'm playing Quake or Counter-Strike or Overwatch or something, uh, when I'm playing a game. So super intrigued by this one. Uh, so that is adrenaline from Czech games edition. And number four is colony from Bezier games. And the thing that got me most interested in this, first of all, was the box cover may have the coolest box cover I've seen. Uh, a very kind of futuristic, modern looking city with you know really cool kind of font and everything. It just really draws me in. One of the best box covers. Cry Havoc's another one from this year. There's like, whoa, that's a crazy, this awesome box cover. Now, digging into the game a little bit more, uh, this is kind of another take on kind of a dice deck building game, but not in the sense of like Quarriers or Dice Masters. It sounds a little bit like Favor of the Pharaoh, which I enjoyed last year uh, from Bezier Games, uh, but maybe a little bit more souped up. I have to play it, of course, but I'm very interested in Dice Euros still. It's still something that was kind of a, not really a fad, but it was a very popular, oh, Maybe three or four years ago, something like that. You had Castles of Burgundy, you had Trois, there was Kingsburg, Alien Frontiers, all that kind of stuff. And it's really kind of died away, and I kind of miss it. You know, we just broke out Castles of Burgundy maybe about a month ago, 
And I was like, yeah, this is, I remember this dice stuff. This is really cool. Uh, you know, dice, you can manipulate them a thousand different ways, set them up in different combos, and try to unlock kind of cool special abilities. And so this looks like a really a nice take on all of that. And so I'm very excited for that, to see that again. You know, it, it, maybe in some ways it's become passe, but I think it's been long enough uh, that there really hasn't been, you know, other than maybe Favor of the Pharaoh, a really solid kind of dice euro dice excuse me manipulation uh, style of game. So I'm looking forward to Colony quite a bit. Now number three is The Fog of War. This has come from Stronghold Games. Uh, this one is very interesting. So it basically is as the title says, The Fog of War. So it's a very different take on kind of a, what you would call a traditional a war game. Uh, so and it keeps, it's like the hard, so this is a hard one to talk about because I haven't played it. But like I said, it's the whole title aspect of like, okay, I'm giving these orders. I don't know quite what you're doing. And so it has this big epic escape, uh, excuse me, scope of, you know, kind of a World War II type of idea. And it seems just very interesting. Again, this one is kind of driving me based on the theme, kind of like adrenaline. I'm like, okay, this sounds like it's going to be this big, you know, huge twist on what we think of as a war game. So I'm very interested in it from that perspective. I glanced at, I think it was the rules. It was a couple of weeks ago now, but uh, the rules were, were fairly extensive. It looked like a GMT rule book, which isn't a bad thing because it was, was really well organized. Uh, so I'm very excited for this one though, because I've got a couple of friends of mine that we like to play war games. And I think this will be a good one for us to dive into. And I've been very intrigued over the last couple of years, like the coin system, uh, you know, Churchill was one that I liked or wanted to like, I should say. And, uh, What's the other game? Oh, gosh, there's another game that was sort of a weird twist on your traditional sort of hex encounter, you know, epic sort of, you know, larger scale th uh, theater of war kind of idea. Uh, so I think there's, like I said, there's a lot of room to really explore in this area above and beyond kind of the shackles of, you know, the last, whatever, 50 years of war games. Uh, so this one I'm very, very intrigued to try. Oh, and the designer is uh, Jeff Engelstein, who seems to put out games that I like generally. So <laughs> I don't think there's been a game from him that I have not liked at all. So now I've set myself up for a disaster. <laughs> but anyway, so that's Fog of War number three. Number two is Innis. Uh, this is coming from Matigo and I think Asmodee. Now uh, this kind of hits all my cylinders. It's got drafting, it's got area control, it's got cool special powers. It kind of feels civvy where you're sort of building up tribes, not necessarily like, you know, big epic civilization, but sort of smaller tribes and things. And the artwork in this one is amazing looking. It just looks outstanding. And this is one of those where I can take a look at it. And I talked about this in the Scythe review of this is excellent art that is not like your sort of fantasy flight art. Now fantasy flight, I just use that because they do excellent across the board, components, art, all the way up and down. You know, you can tell when you get a game from them, it's like, you know, all the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. This one is a step apart from what you would sort of traditionally think of, hey, what's good art in a board game? You know, or like a, a Michael Menzel board or something, you know, from the Euro side of it. This is very different, crazy jigsaw puzzles that have this, these sort of paintings in the background. It's very sort of fine art, 
sort of high art kind of vibe to it. Uh, cool little miniatures and everything. So it's got all this kind of stuff firing in all the cylinders. Just looks like a just ridiculously produced piece of game. And then it has all those other aspects of game that just I immediately think, okay, I'm gonna like this because of the card drafting and the area control. And it's got that sort of interesting historical kind of vibe where it's kind of myth and history going on. Okay, so that's number two, Innis. And the last one is A Feast for Odin, which is coming from, I think, Z-Man Games uh, in the States. I can't remember who's bringing it over in the States. Yes, it's Z-Man. Uh, so it's a Uwe Rosenberg game, and it's sort of his next big magnum opus after, like, Caverna and Ort Labora and, uh, what's the other one, Fields of Arla and stuff like that. So I watched a playthrough of this, I think a week or two ago, from uh, Miwi, Miguel Wibner. Uh, sorry, I know I butchered your name, Michael. Uh, uh, he's from Germany and uh, he does these playthroughs uh, that are very exhaustive and uh, excellent, by the way. <laughs> and he did one for this and I was like, oh cool, that's a new Rosenberg game. And I watched it and I think it was by like round three. I was like, oh, can I play? You know, <laughs> Can I stop watching and play now? Uh, so it's kind of like, oh, this is going to be really glib and not servicing of the game at all, but it's sort of a Vikings Agricola. So that's not accurate. Uh, it kind of is a smorgasbord of Rosenberg games. So it has like bits of patchwork, which was that cool little two-player sort of Tetris game. Uh, that looks really neat. That part of it where you kind of get these different technologies and buildings and stuff and cover up this grid and unlock points and it's almost like a weird tech tree kind of thing and it's got this huge worker placement area which kind of reminds me of caverna and i believe there's a little bit of like uh yeah there's like some card play sort of like agricola um so you have like these different technologies or whatever that you play and so i'm like oh, okay this is that this is that that return to euro that you know, it felt like soft, you know, I felt a little bit soft last year on the Euro side of things. Uh, and this year so far as well, because we haven't hit Essen yet. But uh, so this was like, oh, wow. Okay, this one is the, that thematic, heavy, you know, intricate, lots of replayability, lots of variety. You know, it's going to probably be, ex you know, w extremely play tested because it's Uwe Rosenberg's games and his are always just, you know, again, it's sort of like the fancy flight of mechanics, you know, he's just got up and down across the board, eyes dotted, T's crossed. Uh, so and the production of it looks really, really good. Um, so I'm, that's the one I'm most excited for uh, coming from Essen. So there's my top 10. Sorry it's so early. Uh, probably have reviews for one or two of these next week or something, maybe the week after. But uh, yeah, so that's top 10. Everybody get excited now. Shifting gears into Essen. It should be good this year, I think. Uh, I think uh, Gen Con was maybe uh, one of the strongest that we've seen in terms of the releases and everything. It's been a really, really good year for gaming in general. Um, you know, I said this a couple of weeks ago, like on Twitter or something, and uh, I was like, gosh, there's just so many good games coming out. I mean, yes, there's a lot of junk and stuff too, but uh, in terms of like the top heavy sort of upper echelon sites of gaming, there's just so many just games that, I mean, it's one of those years where like, if you just grab like the top, whatever you felt like the top 30 games were from this year, you could just like start your collection with all the games from 2016 that were really good. 
Um, you know, and there's a bunch that I haven't even played yet that look really cool as well. Um, there's some here I didn't mention that I probably did mention in my Gen Con list that were sort of after Gen Con. I know one was um, a Gloomhaven. I think that's more of an Essen release, but they were demoing it at Gen Con. Um, but that would definitely make this list, of course. And, you know, Seafall, I still haven't played that. That's going to be coming out sometime in the next... Oh, well, no, it got delayed a little bit. So it's probably going to be coming out around Essen. So anyway, there's a few games there in my top 10 anticipated Gen Con games that were more kind of in between. Maybe now they're leaning towards Essen releases. So, all right, that's it. Thanks. Thanks.